0: Well, good morning. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to our Sunday gathering online. My name is Chris, I'm one of the elders and the lead pastor of Covenant Life Church, and we're happy that you're here with us today. If you're new to us, or maybe just happened upon this this morning, you are catching us as a church family halfway through our 21 days of prayer and fasting. It's, it's something we do every january and it is so significant for us it really sets the tone and direction for us as a spiritual community throughout the year Uh, this is a time where we set aside very normal and necessary things in our lives things like eating a meal or multiple meals or multiple days of meals, or maybe certain foods. We lay those things aside, or maybe things that we just would normally do in our normal routine. We lay them all aside, all in an effort to seek the Lord and to receive from him that which is better for us, his presence, his peace, his healing and power, his correction and his direction. During the the first week of our fast, we focused on our ever-present need to seek the Lord while He may be found, to call upon Him while He is near. But as we moved into our second week uh, of fasting this past Thursday, we began to focus on receiving from Him, acknowledging what He does for us and in us. For God not only desires for us to seek Him, but as our Father, his heart is to freely give us all things that pertain to life and godliness because what father does not know how to give good gifts to his children? That's the heart of God for us. So God works in us this ongoing renovation project of his. He's reforming our hearts and reshaping our motives and he's remodeling our lives. He is restoring us to his vision for us. He does it on so many levels, like he, he sends his Holy Spirit to fill us and empower us. And he frees us from a slavery to sin that we once lived in. And it's a process of walking out of that into sanctification. He heals us from our sickness and he provides everything we need in our trouble. He gives us victory over the enemy. He releases miraculous power in our circumstances. And he gives for us vision for living and following him. He does all things well. Maybe the most powerful portrayal of all that God does for us and in us is found in a prayer, a recorded prayer that we can have, that we get to read and and even claim for ourselves. It is a prayer by the Apostle Paul that he prayed for the church in Ephesians. And you can find it in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14. And I believe this is a prayer that really can be for us. It starts this way. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we may ask or think, According to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Man, does that Paul know how to pray or what? I mean, I want to pray like that. I, I love the way that he, he starts. He, he starts by saying, I bow my knees before the Father, which as you would think, is an act of humility and reverence and worship, but it's also, as Eugene Peterson described, an act of voluntary defenselessness. Peterson goes on to write, while on my knees, I cannot run away. I cannot assert myself. I place myself in a position of willed submission. Retreating from the action, so that i can perceive what the action is without me in it without me taking up space without me speaking my peace on my knees i am no longer in a position to flex my muscles or strut or cower to hide in the shadows or show off on stage i become less so that i can be aware of more I assume a posture that lets me see what reality looks like without the distorting lens of either my timid avoidance or my aggressive domination. When I read that, it makes me think we need to stop our flexing, our strutting, our running and hiding, our showing off. And we as God's people need to get on our knees before the Father. We need to hear what he has to say, what he has to say. And we need to come to a place of willed submission, retreating from all the action to find out what the action is without us. Wow. This is where Paul starts in his prayer, on his knees. But we quickly realize Paul's kneeling in a place of godly extravagance. You see, when we pray, we we typically come with our hands held out, right? We're asking God to meet our needs, address our concerns, or meet the needs of another, meet their concerns. And no doubt, that is a really big part of prayer. The Bible tells us to make our requests known to God to cast our burdens onto Him because He cares for us, to pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. We're told to do that. But here in Ephesians 3, Paul is demonstrating a much different way to pray, not from a place of lack or of need, asking God to address where we are, but from a place of assurance in God's abundance and generosity believing that he's already addressed so much more than we could ask or think. Paul prays for this church, and I believe he's praying for us with incredible exuberance because he knows we serve a God who lacks for nothing and is lavish in all things. And, and, and Paul, this is not the only place that he talks like this, prays like this. He does it on multiple occasions. Like in Colossians, when he prayed that we would be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. And in Philippians, where Paul talks of God meeting our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And then in earlier Ephesians chapter one, when he wrote about our redemption, Paul said it was according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. So while Paul is humbly kneeling in prayer, he is also praying from a place of great opulence, a place of bountiful riches from God's glory. And it's from these glorious riches that Paul asks that we might experience four really incredible realities. First, that God may grant to us power through the Holy Spirit. We see that in verse 16. Power through the Holy Spirit. And then secondly, that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. You see that in in verse 17. And then thirdly, that we might realize the vastness of God's love. He says the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, the vastness of all of God's love. And then finally, that we may be filled with all the fullness of God himself. Man, think about those four things. Holy Spirit power, the indwelling Christ, the vastness of his love, and all all the fullness of God right inside of us. Do we we realize the the implications of all of this? Of course we don't. It it is way too marvelous to grasp. There is no way in our finite minds, in our limited scope, it is way too life-altering for us to fully comprehend. And yet, it's what Paul prayed for us. It's what he intended for us to experience. It's what God in his glorious riches has provided for us. What we can start to realize, though we'll probably never fully realize this in this life. I'm sure we will when we are with him one day. But what we can realize on this side is that all of this comes out of the riches of his glory nothing else could provide such bounty. The power of his spirit, the indwelling Christ, the vastness of his love, the fullness of God, all taking up residence inside of me, it comes because of his glorious riches. In in Eugene Peterson's book, which I I quoted earlier, called Practice Resurrection, uh, Peterson tells a story about a couple from his church, Fred and Cheryl, who adopted a five-year-old little girl from Haiti named Addie. Her biological parents had been killed in a tragic accident, and it was and it left her without family. She was an orphan. And so Fred and Cheryl adopted her. And they were relaying to Eugene, who became their pastor later on, the deeply touching moment when this little girl first demonstrated her fearless trust in them. And the three of them were were walking across the tarmac to board a plane to leave Haiti when Addie reached up and slipped her hands into the hands of her new parents, whom she had just met. And, and they were so moved. They said it was a moment that was sacred. It reminded them of the birth of their two teenage sons who were waiting for the three of them to return back in Arizona. So on the first night when all of them were together, all five of them sat down for dinner and there on the dining table was a huge platter of pork chops and a giant bowl of mashed potatoes. But after everyone's uh, been served, the two teenage boys keep going back for more until all the food was gone. Now, if you have boys, you know what that's like. In fact, (laughs) I pray a blessing. Uh, an anointing on every family in our church that has boys growing up because your grocery budget's going to need the power of God being revealed. But while all of this was happening there in Cheryl and Fred's home, Cheryl noticed that Addie grew very quiet. She, she looked kind of concerned and she began to withdraw, not saying much. And, and Cheryl realized that Addie was troubled by the disappearing food. In Addie's experience, she most often was hungry. She never had an endless supply of food and she never was sure where the next meal would come from. So Cheryl got up from the table and she took Addie by the hand and she led her into the kitchen where she showed her on the counter, three new loaves of bread. And then she took her to the refrigerator and she opened the door and she showed her gallons of milk and juice and fresh vegetables. And, and cartons of eggs and slabs of bacon and multiple jars of jellies and jams and after that they stepped into the pantry with its bins of potatoes and onions and squash and shelves of canned goods and items for baking and then they opened up the freezer and counted the multiple packages of chicken and fish and beef and pork and two gallons of ice cream and the whole time Cheryl kept saying to Addie, it's okay. We have plenty of food. No matter how much those two new older brothers of yours eat or how fast they eat it, there is always more food where that came from. You will never go hungry again. I am so moved by that story. I love it so much because Cheryl didn't just tell Addie not to worry. She showed her she didn't have to. She showed her the endless supply of food. She showed her all the provision that there was more to come. She showed her the food in the pantry and in the fridge and on the shelves and in the drawers out of their glorious riches. Addie would never go hungry Again, our father in heaven has even more than that. And he never runs out. It is out of his glorious riches. We have everything we need for redemption, everything we need for restoration, everything we need for healing and life and godliness and purpose and glory out of his riches, his glorious riches, which he has lavished upon us. We have the power of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling Christ, the vastness of his love, and the fullness of God all taking up residence right here inside of us. It's no wonder that Paul would close his prayer with this doxology. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen. I'm gonna ask my wife to come and share with us just what's on her heart She's such, a, she's such a participant and with me in this journey. We always get to talk through these things before. And, and it's always a great blessing uh, to hear what she has to share as well. And so what's on your heart?
1: I wanted to read that passage from Ephesians out of the message. Um, there are just some phrases in it that I would like to pray for us. He says, my response is to get down on my knees before the Father, this magnificent Father who parcels out all heaven and earth. I ask him to strengthen you by his spirit, not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength, that Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. And I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in with all the followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of his love. Reach out and experience the breadth. Test its length, plumb the depths, rise to the heights. Live full lives, full in the fullness of God. God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. And he does it, not by pushing us around, but by working within us. His spirit, deeply and gently within us. Glory to God in the church. That's awesome. And my prayer for us is that we open the door to let him in. That we do test the hugeness, the bigness of his love. And that we test it in our relationships with each other. He says, Together, you're gonna to figure it out. That means you cannot figure it out by right. yourself. That's right. And I want the power of His love at work in each of us in our community to make a difference in what community looks like and how we function and who becomes part of our community. That's right. And this is something that only the Holy Spirit can do. He's very clear after he promises all of that, that it's God who can do anything. And he doesn't do it by ordering us around and saying, well, I hope you can do it. He comes right in and he makes that a reality in our lives. And that's my prayer for us this morning.
0: Would you join us in prayer?
1: Father, we do open our door. I think that's part of what this fasting journey is about is... engaging you again, opening places in our hearts and in our lives and even in our thoughts, Lord, that may not have been tuned to you as they should have been. Right. It's an opportunity to, um, <clears throat> to get what I used to call as a kid a do-over. <clears throat> um, and because of your great mercy and your lavish love, there's no end to the do-overs. <clears throat> if you're unhappy, with the rhythm of your life right now, or the quality of your relationships, or even the condition of your own heart. That's what this is for. Lord, you are so present. You are so big. You are so good. Mm -hmm. And you come in, and you come in with your power, and your love, and your gifts, and mostly the Holy Spirit, Lord. Mm because you can do anything you can do everything yes you can and so we recommit our lives to you we submit the places that may have been dark and closed off and we ask you to come in with your glorious power the riches that you have promised christ himself yes and take up your throne in our own hearts, Lord, and build us into a church for your glory. Build us into people of God who can shed your love abroad in the world where we are, in the people that we touch. Yes, Lord.
0: Lord, we join with Paul in bowing our knees before the father. Yes. It's in that place of submission that everything gets realigned. Our perspective changes. Our hearts change. We humble ourselves before you, Lord, and ask that you would give us your vision for where we are, not our own vision. Yes. That you'd give us your perspective on what we're facing. That you would give us everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness. And Lord, I thank you that as Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus, and in no doubt is praying for us as well, that we can know because of your glorious riches mm-hmm. the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that you would fill us again with your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. For anyone that's listening today that is dry and empty, that may have experienced you before, but doesn't experience you now like they should fill them with your Holy Spirit come down upon them and give them power yes give them everything they need through your spirit Lord and I thank you Lord that out of your glorious riches that we also have the indwelling Christ that we have the vastness of your love and that we have the fullness of God inside of us Lord, I pray that in this season we will be, we will be receiving all that you've done,
2: yes. and
0: that our our hearts will be open and receptive to what you're doing. We ask this all in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, um, as I mentioned earlier, we are in this 21 days of prayer and fasting, and, and today's about halfway, so. Uh, if you haven't started, start today. It doesn't. You don't have to have started with everybody else. Decide something you're going to set aside, something you're going to fast that maybe that is good in your life in order to get something that's better. And what we've done over the last few Sundays on our live stream is we've had several of our elders and leaders in our church to just come and share with us for a few minutes what fasting means to them and maybe specifically what God is showing them and speaking to them in this season. And so with that in mind, we had uh, Will Duke and Patrick Curry and James Williams with us today. They're all uh, small group leaders. Hi guys, it's wonderful to have everybody. And I'm just gonna have them just open up with them and and start with Will. Will. Will, would you just share with us what you are hearing in God, what fasting means to you and uh and just share from your heart
2: thanks, Chris. <clears throat> I'm glad to be here with you all this morning. I know I say it a lot, but every time we get together, um even like this i'm I'm grateful all over again um that this is my church family and that I belong to you guys. Um, we are a people who fast and pray um not just in January. And we have a history of seeking God as a group. Uh, and even though I don't probably count as a young person anymore, uh, those of us who are younger and all of us really are, are so rich um, to have a home that has been built with so many of those bricks year after year, layer after layer, prayer after prayer. Um, we don't have to be in our physical building to get the benefit of that. Um, But for me, God's always been faithful to me. He's been good to me, Um, even when I couldn't pray or when I didn't want to pray. That can happen. But he speaks. And I feel like for some who are watching, it might be good um, to hear that it's not magical or mysterious. We speak to each other. Um, It's a relationship that, that's what it is. Um, and just like with a friend you've known for a long time or um, or with your spouse, if you've been married a long time, there's no substitute for time together talking. And that's, that's praying. Um, and fasting is another piece. Um, when we know our own preferences, even needs, and set those aside to focus on, um, even more on God and what he wants it's 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 not easy to give up food, or drink, time wasters, social media, um, however you fast, however you're fasting, but it's it's worth it. Um, it's easier to hear what the Lord is saying to me when I decide to not listen to my body, uh, what it's saying, uh, what lights are blinking and uh, alarms are buzzing on my wanter machine. <laughs> I guess I say that because right now seems like a significant time for us to hear for ourselves. What, what God is saying in home group this week, um, we were actually talking about that. Uh, there's a sense of the importance this year, uh, in particular as the church, um, as a church family, I believe that we will have a special collective reward as we are individually willing to continue to fast and pray. Um, And I like what you said, Chris, uh, for those who haven't been participating yet, for whatever reason, to be encouraged, to join what God is doing with us. um, He's at work. So let's hear together what he's saying.
0: That's so well said, Will. Thank you. That's great. And we do, we encourage you, don't be left out. Take this time and get in to the presence of God, find out what He is doing and saying. That's great, Will. Thank you, Patrick. Um, Patrick is recoup- recuperated from COVID, as has Donna and I, and uh, so it's glad to se- we're glad to see glad you to back see you. in the land of the living.
3: Thank you, it's and uh, you. so you are feeling better, right? Yeah, I am. There's still a little fatigue um, that comes and goes, but um, Melody's done well and i appreciate all of you i've gotten calls and texts and emails about the health and i'm grateful for that melody and i are always grateful for this community god brought us here and uh planted us here and we're beyond blessed um so one of the things that you know you know that i would like to share today fasting is definitely a humbling thing jesus talks about praying and fasting and giving in matthew and so i encourage you to read those um but fasting is one way that God helps to form us into the image of his son. And I think one of the aspects I wanted that God's been highlighting in my heart these days is about community, unity, relationships with each other. And what God wants to do through you and give to you, he hides behind those around you. Those things are hidden behind the people that you're around. It's so important to have unity of mind and heart. And especially these days, We have so much opportunity for division all around us. We're not together regularly. We don't see things the same as others. Our frail hearts and minds are easily offended and puffed up with pride. First Peter 3, 8 and 9 says, finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, a humble mind. Don't repay evil for evil, reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless for to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. And this past Wednesday, I shared about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And honestly, I haven't been able to get away from it. So I'm going to just read a couple quick verses. This is from John 13. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. He poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples feet and to wipe them with a the towel that was wrapped around him. Then to verse 12, when he had washed their feet, <clears throat> put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? It's good just to take a moment and think about that. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. And all of that's really good. But the main point to take away that I believe God's highlighting to me right now is our individual responsibility to engage this, our individual responsibility to engage community. If you don't feel connected, if you're upset or offended with someone, if you feel isolated or forgotten, I believe the Lord would say, go out of your way to get connected, to make things right, to find ways to serve others. It's not DoorDash, it's not silver platter delivery to be unified, that it's just all of a sudden here, everything works and it shows up at your door. It's painful, it's out of the ordinary and it costs us and it's worth it. I believe the Father will give all of us opportunities to engage ways to serve each other, but we can't allow ourselves to wallow in self-pity, despair, victimhood, or even isolation as we're not able to be together. I spent a week in the basement by myself, so I know what I'm talking about. Um, but that's where the enemy wins. And you know if there is something like this in your heart or your mind. The Holy Spirit will show us. So let's ask him to reveal those things to us and then press on to encounter our Father with each other and with those that might not yet know him. So I hope this is encouraging to all of you. I think it's important to my heart right now. And Romans 12:3 through 21 has more uh, if you want to do some further reading there. So, thank you. thank you.
0: That's awesome, Patrick. Thank you. Uh, it's, um, it's been my burden, as, as you would know from the different messages I've given and even emails I've been sending out that we must fight for a spirit of unity. Mm-hmm. And in this day of division all around us, even in the body of Christ, it's of critical nature. So I appreciate what you shared. Thank you, Patrick. James, James and Patrick lead one of
4: our small groups and uh, James, share with us. Well, thank you for having me today. Um, It's good to be with everyone here on the production call and then also everyone watching the stream. Sad we can't see your faces too, but at least you get to see ours. So that's fun. Um, I'm gonna out of lamentations so lamentations it's it's the right name for the book first of all I read through it a few times it that's a good name lamentations um i feel like god's been speaking about being hopeful when things don't look like we should be hopeful and in lamentations just in the beginning there's just i'll just read a few lines but Basically, here we go, how deserted lies the city. Bitterly, she weeps at night. After affliction and harsh labor, Judah has gone into exile. The roads to Zion mourn. Her foes have become her masters. All the splendor is departed. Um, Her filthiness clung to her skirt. She did not consider her future. Her fall was astounding. So like, this is a big, like, It's like almost unbelievable what's happened, like the fall from being up here, this beautiful jewel to nothing, being destroyed by the by the Babylonians. Um, The enemy laid hands on all her treasures. So then as you get a little further into the chapter, um, Jeremiah and Chris confirmed this, I thought this was written by Jeremiah, but he mentioned it earlier. So now I know, Lamentations, definitely Jeremiah. Um, He starts to say, well, the Lord's righteous, yet I rebelled against his command. And see, and starts calling on the Lord. Um, In the second chapter, it's all out like, okay, God's actually behind this. Like, this wasn't Babylon. This was God's judgment. And it says, How the Lord has covered the daughter of Zion with the cloud of his anger. Without pity, the Lord has swallowed up all the dwellings of Jacob. In fierce anger, he has cut off every horn or strength of Israel. And like an enemy, he has strung his bow and his right hand is ready. The Lord is like an enemy. He has swallowed up Israel. He has laid waste his dwelling like a garden. The Lord has rejected his altar and abandoned his sanctuary. The Lord determined to tear down the wall around the daughter of Zion. Like it just goes on and on and on. And then in verse 14, this is what the Lord was like highlighting really big, this verse. The visions of your prophets were false and worthless. They did not expose your sin to ward off your captivity. Not just to expose your sin, but to save us from being captives. That's what the point of it was. The prophet speaks the word of the Lord. We humble ourselves, receive that, recognize our sin, repent, we turn back to him, and then we're saved. But instead, they were worthless prophecies. The oracles they gave you were false and misleading. Okay, so, and you can go back to Jeremiah. Patrick gave you some homework. Some more homework is reading Jeremiah, especially in 23, after it talks about the righteous branch and Jesus coming, and also lays in to all the false prophecy it's intense god says a lot of stuff where he's like i did not send these prophets yet they have run with their message i did not speak to them yet they have prophesied but if they had stood in my council they would have proclaimed my words to my people my people would have turned from their evil ways and from their evil deeds so this is just fulfilling the prophecy that jeremiah was talking about earlier And it says, it'll be very clear when this happens. God says that. So there it is. It happens. Okay. So, man, whoa, it's intense and a downer. (laughs) We just had all this good stuff. Let's go back to Ephesians. Um, But in chapter three of Lamentations, you do get that turn, that bright spot. And so when he's writing, he says, let me find my place. All right. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And we sing that song. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. And the Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. The interesting about, thing about lamentations, and this is what God was speaking to me, was like, if you keep going, it sort of goes back into, but it was so awesome and now it sucks. This is terrible. And even the very end, this is very interesting. He's like, you, O Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures from generation to generation. Why do you always forget us? Why do you forsake us so long? Restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may return. Renew our days as of old. Unless you have utterly rejected us and are angry with us beyond measure. The end. That's how it ends okay so to summarize <laughs> what god was saying though was that in the darkest place look for the glimmer of hope and believe we actually were talking earlier about right, this guy he bought tesla stock when it was like five or ten bucks he went all in put all this all the savings into it and everybody's like don't do that that's a that's you know you can't bet all on one thing so anyway it ends up working out really well for him but god was like put it all on the table on my hope. What I'm saying, the things that I'm doing, believe fully in that. It's a winner, it's a sure winner. It's like, you know the lottery numbers ahead of time. Sorry, I'm talking too much about money and God, but this is like knowing ahead of time what's gonna happen, he's saying it. So when things seem dark, and it does seem kind of hopeless, but God has said something, stand on that. Don't give up, stand on that. That's it. Oh yeah, my last thing, sorry Chris going too long uh when i fast i find that god does something in like reorienting me completely and changing my direction that i don't even notice until later on way past the fast so i would encourage people to also fast and if things aren't happening immediately don't like it's already been said stay with it and then later on you'll look back and be like wow god really was moving
1: yeah mile marker
4: absolutely james Wow.
0: I I think you uh you brought the word right there. And uh, and I'm 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 very appreciative that you said it and not me. <laughs> I'm I'm really I'm glad that God says it to us. And his perspective is not always what we think um, ourselves. And so when you read the warnings that Jeremiah is giving throughout his book and then Lamentations as well is in essence saying All those other prophets are saying peace, peace, but I'm saying to you, it's not gonna happen. And I I feel like that there's some validity to that for the day that we live in. And the church needs to hear the voice of the Lord in this day. So listen, I'm grateful for each of you three to just share your heart. And it really gives us this kaleidoscope of what God is saying and doing in us in this season. And so here's what we're gonna do to close our, our time this morning is I'm just gonna ask these three guys to, to pray for us, to pray with us as a community, as we continue in the season of prayer and fasting. and uh, And then we'll go out with a great song and have a wonderful day. So let's pray.
2: Father, <clears throat> this day is yours. It belongs to you. And so do we. We want to be humble and open and listen to what you say. And I know that we will encourage each other and you will help us to stand on it once we've heard it. Um, I pray for our church family that those of us that are still not feeling well um, that we'll receive your healing and your help. And I pray for our children, that they will see our faith and that it's not misplaced. Thank you for for this time.
3: Heavenly Father, we are so grateful to you for your goodness to us and how you bring us into your purposes. You don't leave us in the dark or the cold or our sin, but you bring us mm-hmm. out of that. And praise be to you for that. We, Where would we be if it wasn't for your willingness and your patience towards us, your willingness to continue to bear our ridiculousness? Um, but Lord, we give ourselves to you. And I, I pray that the spirit that Jesus had when he said, if you want to come after me, pick up your cross, deny yourself and follow me. For if you seek, to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you're willing to lose it for my sake, you'll find it. I pray that that would be in us, that we wouldn't try to find our own lives to save our own souls, but we'd be willing to release whatever you're calling us to release to you, that the way that Mary responded, be it unto us according to your word, that that heart would be in all of us, Lord, and that you'd bring us together into the fullness of your purposes, so please please be glorified in us as as individuals as families as uh, a community as home groups um, where we are in our work and I pray that your love would pour out of our hearts in Jesus name
4: Lord we thank you that you are speaking and you still speak and I pray that we would be a people that hears your voice and I pray that we would be a people that follows your narrative and not a false narrative yes Lord I pray against the enemy and how he would sow lies discord and I pray that your truth would come out I pray that we as your people would speak your truth and it wouldn't be tied to anything else it wouldn't be tied to our culture it wouldn't be tied to uh, or led by uh, our own experiences but it would be your truth i pray that we would be faithful with the what you put in us in the charges you've given to us i pray that um today we would hear your voice we continue you would continue speaking and um we would give you room to do what you want to do pray that you would help us to be humble i pray that you would help us to receive what you're saying i thank you for um the church leadership and the way that we're still able to meet even in these times i pray just as already been said earlier, for a spirit of unity for all of us. Lord, that you would unify us. Help us, Lord. We need your help. In Jesus' name.
0: And amen. I appreciate you brothers uh, joining us today and sharing your hearts and interceding with us as a community. We have great leaders in our church, and I am so very grateful to get to walk with each of these three, with their wives and so many other leaders across our group. Um, So uh, hopefully the Lord's will uh, be done, but we will soon hopefully be able to gather again on Sunday mornings. We'll We'll get word to you when it seems appropriate. But in the meantime, we are gathering online, and on Wednesday night, we will have our Uh, zoom prayer meeting uh email be going out to the church family uh from 7 to 8 p.m and we join ask you to join us then Uh, may the lord bless you today and uh and may you see him working in your lives and you hear his voice and may this day be glorious as we receive
4: from him all that he has given to us the lord bless you